Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to have you on our Business and Worth uh, Mindset podcast today. So, uh, you know, happy to be uh, here. Yeah, absolutely. You've got uh, quite a lot of uh, golden nuggets to share with us. You know, I've looked at some of your videos and podcasts that you've done, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will, will uh, sort of uh, benefit greatly from your wisdom as well and what you have to share. So, it's an ab- I hope absolute- so. <laughs> absolutely, it's an absolute pleasure having you on. So, I guess. Um, Probably just like uh, we do with uh, most of our guests, actually, to sort of uh, set the scene. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, we'll get to talk about, uh, you know, Field Agent, which is your work-on-demand platform. But uh, just for the benefit of our, our listeners as well, just to, uh, you know, set the scene and just to uh, get to know uh, more about you as well. So if you could just um, give us a bit of our background about yourself and uh, how you actually got to where you are today, your experience and uh, uh, from humble beginnings to where we are, I think, uh, you know, it uh, helps uh, our listeners to sort of relate to your story as well and your journey uh, to where we are, we are today uh, before we get, we get to talk about Field Agent. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you're ready for me to start now? Kind of walking you through yes. it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Over to yeah, you. So, yeah. So I tell people that I'm, uh, if you're a movie person, if, if your listeners are movie people, I'm kind yeah. of a combination of a hillbilly elegy and a Friday Night Lights. So if you think of Americana and how things played out, I grew up in Eastern Kentucky. It's a coal mining community. Um, so if you've never had a hillbilly on here, Alex, you have a hillbilly on your, your podcast today, yeah. uh, but I grew up in, in uh, rural yeah. Appalachia. Uh, my dad was railroaded. My brother still works in the coal mines today. And so, uh, I just knew that I wanted to move past that part of my area and wanted to, to not work in the coal mines and do something different. So I knew school would do that. So like many kids in the area or many kids that, that you, or adults you even talk to today, I knew education was going to be a way that was going to get me out. So went to the university of Kentucky, uh, met my uh, wife there and uh, through relationships uh, ended up at Procter and Gamble. And so, so one little nugget to to your group as we're, as we're talking through this is that mm-hmm. I would argue that success most often follows the path and depth of relationships. Mm-hmm. So the relationship that I had with a fraternity brother was that he was working for Procter & Gamble. He recommended that I apply for a job, gave a good recommendation to his boss. And then through that relationship, I was able to get uh, a position with a large multinational company that Alex, I had no reason Hmm. to be working for. And I look back on my life and I go back from when I was, uh, you know, 12, 16, 18, when I look at my very first, you know, real job that I got a paycheck, they took taxes out of that job came through a recommendation. I look at the role that I had as a, as an RA in a dorm, or I look at the, the first role that I had off campus with a job. All those were through relationships and recommendations. Hmm. So I, I'll tell your listeners, if you look at this kid from Appalachia, that's yeah. now a co-founder, CEO of a tech company, you know, I got to where I am today through relationships. And it's so, yeah. so important that whether you're 16 listening to this or you're 60, those relationships are difference makers and the, and the speed and the depth and the path of those are difference makers. So that's how I got to kind of where I am today. And obviously there's a big middle we need to fill in, but that yeah. was my humble beginnings to get to where I am today. Yeah, no, that, that's brilliant. And that's a, that's a great share actually to, to understand because, you know, you've got that support network to actually get you uh, where you are. And that's where the word leverage sets in, isn't it? Because, you know, that network and those relationships are helping you to almost sort of get to where you need through the the path of least resistance, isn't it? Because otherwise on your own, without those support networks and relationships you mentioned, it will take you, you know, if you get there at all, you know, a very long time. So, you know, it's exactly. great you know, it's it's great to hear to hear it from 
someone like you, you know, who's, you know, worked with the path and you actually understand those dynamics as well. So absolutely great to hear that. So, um, so uh, just um, again, obviously, you know, that's a, a, a bit of your agenda. Just uh, talk us more through that and how you actually, uh, it, it took you to a uh, field agent as well. Sure. So there's a, there's kind of uh, two pivot points in, in technology. We often talk, or entrepreneurs talk about pivoting. Yeah. Uh, but the first piece, I started working with Procter & Gamble. I worked there for about 17 years. And mm-hmm. Alex, the first, call it 13 or so years, was in the United States, uh, various mm-hmm. assignments. Uh, I then left the United States uh, and became an expatriate in Asia. I worked two years in Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, worked one year in Bangkok, Thailand, and that time in ASEAN, and that you know I had territory from the Philippines, Japan, all the way down to Australia. Uh, when I look at that time in Asia, mm. uh, that's when I truly understood for the first time what it would be like to be an entrepreneur, because with the corporate facility within the United States, mm. very structured, you're in cubicles. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a classic TV show of what corporate mm-hmm. America looked like. Yeah. You get into Asia and you start getting to Malaysia and Indonesia and you travel to these countries and you realize that support mechanism isn't there. You've got to think on your feet. And so the entrepreneurial piece started then, Alex. Uh, again, made great relationships there. A, a good friend of mine that also worked for Procter & Gamble, Henry Ho. We've mm-hmm. been friends for two decades as running buddies. And he was in Northwest Arkansas, which is about 30 minutes south of where Walmart's corporate headquarters is. And he said, Rick, we should, you know, look at doing something together and maybe we could make that happen here. And then, you know, through that decision, I had one opportunity to go back and work for my home church in Florida, where I could mm-hmm. come back and, and work for this new venture. Um, and we're really trying to decide that. And the company at that time said, listen, I'm looking for 2000 volunteers to take a separation package. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I, if I get that, that'd be great. We'd use that as seed money. We'd start something. And so I took a voluntary separation package, Alex. It ended up in Northwest Arkansas to start a shopper marketing, shopper research firm. So we wanted to take the, the tools that we had learned, and that's kind of a life lesson for your group here, is that yeah. we took expertise in a platform that I had, mm-hmm. and I took that from the company, and I took that expertise and platform, and I started sharing and using that with other companies that did not have access to that that wisdom technology understanding so that's where we launched and Mm. um i'll tell you a story but the very first we started september 1st and 10 days later we're on our very first road trip now again alex we have no money yeah uh i often tell people is that at that time i had just we had just adopted a young girl from china and so we're here in arkansas i tell them i have no job no car no house but daddy loves you it's all going to be okay (laughs) <laughs> so an entrepreneur once it's 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 uh 10 days after we started we're on our very first client call so we're flying in an airport we had to fly to orlando and i get to the connecting spot in memphis and they canceled our flight and we're like oh we're gonna miss our very first client call this is just ridiculous right i can't believe this happens and so alex i was with henry and so the two of us were walking down um to the next gate, we said, well, let's just stop in and grab a cup of coffee. And as we walked in, Alex, we mm. saw the second plane hit the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. So we left wow. corporate jobs, tremendous mm. support yeah, to start a new business. And 10 days in, our world changed. Changed. So, wow. so, for the, so for the next six months, we had lots of coffee, lots of lunch. And we talked yeah. about how big the world could be. But mm. no one wanted to talk to us. Yeah. So it was a rough, it was a rough six months. Now, yeah. I, wow. I, I tell you that to get started is that, that was the entrepreneurial beginning for us. You had to stay focused. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, within that focus, you know, we we knew we wanted to create this multifunctional team that would work with companies, mm. and that was what we started out first. So for the first ten years of my entrepreneurial career, uh, we were managing five LLCs. We had a shopper marketing firm, shopper research. We had a warehouse. We had brokerage. I mean, we had, mm. you know, data, all of these things. Uh, and I want to fast forward to uh, 2009. So, Alex, I want your listeners and you to think about 2009. Right. Yeah. What What did your mobile phone look like? <laughs> Very so at that time, to what it looks like today. Yeah. yeah sure. So at that time, if you were in the business world, you had a BlackBerry. 
Yeah. If you're not in the business world, you had a flip phone. Uh, yeah. My daughter had a razor. She had the slider. You know, you slide that little, you know, phone. Uh, but the iPhone had just been out for about a year. Uh, the iPhone 3S was just coming out. And I told people, tell people, uh, this was in the pre-selfie days. No front-facing camera, no video. But yeah. man, that two-megapixel camera was amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were sitting around a table, again, running five companies and saying, gosh, you know, can we use this smartphone? to capture data from stores or capture data inside of people's homes because the business model at that time, Alex, we would literally mm -hmm. travel all over the United States, Europe, different places just to do research and just to engage. We said, I wonder if anyone was using the phone and they weren't. So we started working nights and weekends again and launched Field Agent as the very first app in iTunes to pay you cash. Yeah. And wow. that was the business. And we started that as a tool to solve a business problem. So that's the the first you know pivot for me was leaving corporate America to be entrepreneur. The yeah. next big pivot was, man, this field agent thing, yeah. I think this thing's gonna work, we can scale it. And it was the first portfolio company that we had or LLC that we had mm -hmm. that didn't require Rick to be in the boardroom, in the meeting room. So as your listeners are listening in is that, to have a lifestyle business is great, but to scale mm -hmm. a business, uh, you've got to have technology or other processes yeah. because it's too hard to scale Rick, the yeah. individual, to go do all these things. So I'll mm -hmm. pause there for a second and say that's how we yeah. got to field agent. And then there's another journey after that. After that, yeah. And no, um, Rick, there's uh, just a lot of stuff there that you've shared that we can actually unpick, you know, especially around, you know, risk and returns and business. But uh, I just wanted to pick um, up on the, the sort of mindset aspect of it because, okay. uh, you know, I'm looking back at, uh, you know, for, you know, some of our listeners and even yourself, you know, where, We've read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and he talks about uh, the mindset of uh, people who are on the uh, on the left hand side where, you know, the mindset is of an employee or so a uh, trader. But on the other side, you're talking about invest and big business. So for you, having walked the path of initially being an employee and you know what that involved, and right. then taking that risk to go on the other side and be an entrepreneur where the mindset is completely different, you know, how did you manage that transition and how, you know, what would be your advice of, for people who are actually looking to actually break that cycle from the other side into entrepreneurship with the risks that are involved in there. I mean, you just talked about, you know, seeing this World Trade Center plan hit and the things that you went, you went yeah, through. Yeah, I, I think as an entrepreneur listening to this or someone that wants to be an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, I often tell, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm meeting with a guy now, I'm, I'm mentoring a person from my church. And so there's a, a faith side, there's a He's a dad, he's a husband, but he's also a business guy. And yeah. he's trying to, he said, listen, I want to do this entrepreneurial thing. Here's what I want to do. And so what I coached him, this is what I would encourage your listeners to say is that all these ideas in your head, what keeps them you from doing them today? Well, you know, but if I was on my own, but, but, but. And so what you first mm -hmm. thing you find out is if you really wanted to do this, you do it. Yeah. Because a true entrepreneur doesn't just doesn't sit around and think and ideate and a mad professor, right? And there's a role for that. There's ideation and creativity. But yeah. A true entrepreneur gets out there. He said, well, I don't know. And at the time I said, you think you don't have time now? Oh my goodness. <laughs> you got on your own. This is the one of the few times in your life you have time. You have time. And so my, my encouragement to folks is that when we got started to make that leap, you just have to make the leap. Now, I'm not saying make a leap with with no plan, yeah. uh, but you've got to get out there because you're going to learn things from your end user or your customer about mm. your product or service that you never dreamed you would learn yeah. sitting in a room talking to your friends and family who tell you, you look great. I love you. You know, <laughs> you're the best thing in the world. The moment <laughs> you leave friends and family and you get out into the real world, you're going to find out pretty quickly whether or not you have something or not. So that's that's the first thing I would suggest yeah. to people. You've got to get out there. The second thing is, uh, I tell people, and this is kind of the, the other you know quotable thing for your listeners, they, they should write this one down, is that mm -hmm. to be significant, again, anyone can be successful. Yeah. 
you could go make a product or make a service, but to be significant, which means you have success that scales and you impact an organization, you're disrupting technology, disrupting to be significant. You have to stay within your rails and focus north. You can't go left and right and chase shiny objects. Yeah. So many entrepreneurs have 10 ideas and 20 ideas. And I keep telling them, you've got to get back in here, stay within your rails. The rails don't have to be tight, but they have to be, yeah. you have to deselect from 10 to three to two to one. Mm-hmm. So you get really, really tight on your rails. And if you can stay within those rails and become an expert there and solve a problem, you've got a fighting chance of being an entrepreneur. But if you're just the idea person and you've got this idea and that idea, you're not made to be an entrepreneur. Uh, you should be working for someone else and be the idea guy for them because that's mm. not going to get you into operations and working through. Uh, right. And the last piece I'll tell you that we'll, we'll pause for a second here is that to coincide with that, the, the best advice I was given when I started, this was two weeks into this process, actually probably maybe a week or two after this whole plane you know, issue with, with 9-11. But um, he said, in order to be a great entrepreneur and to make this work, He said, you are only, Alex, he said, you're only as good as you invoice and collect. And everything else, Mm -hmm. everything else is an expensive hobby. And that was Dr. Steve Graves. Steve Graves, you know, made that quote. So I tell people, stay within your rails, Mm -hmm. find something that someone will pay you for. Yeah. You can find something they'll pay you for. Great. And if you love what you're doing, Mm -hmm. Alex, it, it, it's it's the holy grail, right? You know, that's, that's tight the, rails pay you for it and you love it. Oh my goodness, you've hit it. <laughs> that's that's the, the, the that's where the magic happens, isn't it? I mean, you, you've just covered all the points I wanted to actually unpick on the next points around. You know, you mentioned the keywords there around value, like, you know, find somewhere where, you know, there's a problem where you can offer a solution or there's a, a process that you can actually improve the efficiency. I mean, a lot of the great companies out there, if you look at the Amazons or the Uber or whatever, they have these big uh, global problems that they're actually solving and they're getting paid for that. So, uh, I mean, telling, uh, picking from your story, obviously, you know, your world involves uh, things around tech as well. So, in a way, there is that connection between the value and the area where you identify the problem which you could solve and also you being passionate about tech and that area. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that's the perfect combination, isn't it? What you would say. It really is. That's, yeah. It really is. So, so it, for your listeners to think through what we do now, again, they could go to field agent and they could hmm. become an agent and make some extra cash. And so it's kind of a secret shopper, mystery shopper kind of aspect. But, hmm. but the big idea that we solved for in 2010 that we're still driving today um, is that companies that sell products, and whether you're selling into a mom and pop store, you're selling into Walmart, or whether you've got your own um you know, Airstream on the side of the road, you've got a food truck. Everyone needs access to data. And what the problem mm-hmm. we were solving is to provide near real-time information and solutions for people at retail. Mm-hmm. And so in order to make that happen, he's like, gosh, well, I need to do a mystery shop, or I need to do some surveys, or I need to do yeah. sampling. Well, it could take you weeks or months yeah. to get a, a typical brick and mortar. Well, in our marketplace, Alex, you can click, click, go to cart in a matter of three minutes, can launch to any zip code in the United States, yeah. postal code in several countries. You can launch in three minutes and wow. get data back in hours because mm-hmm. we wanted to disrupt that process, that B2B process. And so you mentioned Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon has taught Rick and Alex to shop a certain way. Yeah. And I want your listeners to think about this is that you should be able to buy any service or product without talking to a salesperson. And like, Rick, you don't understand it. Retail, if I'm doing research, I need to talk. Or gosh, I want to do a ratings and review. I need to have a meeting and three meetings, Alex. Mm -hmm. And I said, think about this. When you go to Amazon and you buy a TV, did you talk to a salesperson? No, No. that's cool. (laughs) Okay, so now when, when you decided to buy a Tesla, did you go talk to any, you just bought it online. Mm -hmm. I have friends today, Alex, friends today that have purchased homes sight unseen 
through for sale by owner, realtor.com. They see what mm. they like. They make the transaction they've never visited. So if you're willing to make $1,000 decision, $80,000 decision, $500,000 decision, why can't you make a decision to do an $8 retail audit online? So mm. Amazon and others have taught us that the B2B world is getting disrupted. Yeah. And we're coming in saying, gosh, we want to disrupt it through mobile technology and a marketplace yeah. so that you can act like a B2C Amazon person on our B2B marketplace. And that's yeah. the big change. That's the pivot we've made over the last year. And we're yeah. seeing great results with that. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's great, Rick. Thanks for that. Now, yeah. uh, just uh, let's um, break down a field agent in uh, probably more clear, understandable terms for sure. some of our listeners. So just okay. take us through field agent, like what is it specifically? What does it offer? I mean, you've talked about some of the uh, problems and issues it's trying to, to solve and so on. But yeah, just give us a, a bit more detail, step by step, like what is field agent? What are you trying okay. to do? And how at some level, you know, our listeners can get involved as well. So you've got two types of listeners. You've got the listener that loves to listen to what you're doing yeah. and they're a consumer. They think it's great information. Then you've got others that are business people or entrepreneurs. So let's yeah. talk about the average person that's listening today yeah. that says, I, and what does field agent do? Listen, I'm one of the few people here that you've ever interviewed that can pay your listeners money. Huh? Think about oh, that. Wow. I can pay them money, Alex. That's brilliant. So what happens yeah. they, if, if they download the app, they'll find in the region closest to them within their zip code, they'll find opportunities to take photos inside of a store and make three to $5. Uh, they'll find opportunities to get free products. They could get free food, free pizza at Little Caesars. They could get a free beer from Budweiser. Uh, mm -hmm. We pay you to trial sample you know, opportunities. If you don't wanna leave your home, uh, we may pay you to buy something online and do a ratings and review. Mm -hmm. uh, we might ask you your opinion. And all that is three, five, ten dollars a pop plus free things, and that cash goes right to your checking account. So, no badges. You're not going to be the mayor of field agent. <laughs> this is cash coming to you. So it's a mystery shopping secret shopper that is crowdsourced. So instead of paying someone to run a route, we're simply saying while you're shopping, open up the app. You mm -hmm. could choose to go to retailer A and buy your groceries or grocery store, but if you go to B, you can make an extra ten dollars. Yeah. Or you're going to have uh, a restaurant tonight. You can go to restaurant A and you know, buy dinner, or you can go to restaurant B and get a free sandwich or free pizza. So it's that crowdsourcing model of capturing. Now, what happens on the other side, if you're a mm -hmm. business person, you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. and you're, you're tired of hearing how great you are from your aunts and uncles and your friends, <laughs> and you want to go talk to 50 people this afternoon across the United States in a certain demographic, you can click, click, go to cart and talk to them and quickly sample your product. It's that fast. So because wow. of the crowdsourcing, the 2 million downloads, the hundreds of thousands of people that are active, we have taken research, mystery shopping, sampling, marketing that would take weeks and months to do. And we've taken that for you to launch it in minutes and you can get data back in hours. And so we've mm -hmm. completely disrupted those areas. So. Users get to make some extra cash. It's some fun money. Yeah. And the client side gets amazing data in a matter of hours. Hmm. Wow, that's that's brilliant. That's amazing, Rick. So, how did you get to identify this particular area to to understand that there's value in doing that yourself? Yeah. So, what we when we were sitting around that table looking at our iPhone 3s is trying to decide who was using a smartphone hmm. to capture data. We found there was no one. Uh, and Alex who said, you know, if we don't do this, we're going to be like the guys that said they invented Facebook, but they were just too busy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you, no fewer than five people told me, oh, I had that idea for field agent, but I was just really too busy. It was a big enough idea. I'm like, whatever. You, you, yeah. <laughs> whatever. So, so what happened with us, which is the, the real piece that kind of drove us down this path, mm. uh, is that one of my life lessons, and this is kind of a, a life verse for me, uh, came out of James 5, 12, but it, it's, this, it's this verse and the conception, it says, hey, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't live in the world of maybe. 
okay, as an entrepreneur, when we looked at this field agent thing, we said, could we do that? We, we didn't say, well, maybe we could do it. What's well, probably a good idea. Yeah. You know, I tell my team, deselect and say, no, we're not going to address it. But if the answer is yes, let's go drive it hard. Yeah. And we knew this was a yes. So the pivot point for us was, is that we looked at it intuitively. We said, yes, this made sense. We talked to a few people that were not our friends and they all said, that's a, that's a great idea. Hmm. And we said, well, well, maybe we'll work on it. We didn't say maybe Alex. We said, yeah. yes. yes. And we started to drive. And that's so important for an entrepreneur to understand is that if you chase shiny objects, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. If you live in the world of maybe that's also a problem. So hmm. stay within your lane, let your yes be yes, your no be no. And so once we found that and started driving it, the momentum kind of took care of itself and we knew we had something. Mm, that's, that's perfect. That's brilliant, Rick. Now, tell us more about this, uh, you know, the, the product-led B2B uh, markets, marketplace. Uh, so it, it's, it's that Amazon effect coming into the B2B world. And so what mm. happens today is that so, so many services, if you wanted to uh, hire someone to help you do SEO resources, as an example, for your company, or in our case, Alex, uh, you and I didn't have five meetings before this happened. Yeah, I go online, I read about you, you go online, read about me. That's yeah. product-led growth. And we come together, we're doing a podcast. Yeah, amazing. It is product-led growth. We didn't need 20 people. We didn't have a bunch of meetings. We just mm. came in. Yeah. I knew what you did. You knew what I did. Mm. And so the concept of product-led growth is really important to us. And so I'll give you a couple of stats here up. You know, Forrester, a big research firm, is saying that three out of every four B2B businesses would rather self-educate than learn about a product from a salesperson. Now, think of how many cold mm -hmm. calls you get. Yeah. You don't answer those phones, Alex. You don't answer the phone call. And how many emails do you get? You don't answer the emails. Yeah. You don't. Mm -hmm. But when you see something on social media or you see something that recommends something and you click under their website and the website allows you to understand it, and do trial and demo, that's product-led growth. And what we're doing is taking that Amazon effect and we're taking it into this world of B2B so that a business person can click, understand, click, and go to cart and walk away. Now, it seems so simple when you think of Amazon and consumer products. Well, yeah. of course, I mean, I don't need anyone to explain to me about dishwashing detergent. I just don't. Yeah. And we don't need people to explain to us about cars anymore. But when it comes to, well, but I really want to talk to someone about ratings and reviews, and I really want to talk to someone about the sampling. I'm like, really? Mm. It's a sampling program, Alex. <laughs> People buy it, they try it, and they give us their opinion. Yeah, yeah. but I really want to have three meetings. I'm like, no, you don't. Mm. You don't need three meetings. You need samples taken care of in a matter of hours. So that's the disrupting part. So that product-led growth started with Amazon. It's entering into services in B2B. Uh, I saw one survey that said that, I think they said that 75% of B2B procurement, so people that are business to business, that are buying things, 75% of that spending is going to be happening online in the next five years. Mm -hmm. So if you still think that your website goes click, talk to a salesperson, if you still think your email campaign is click and talk to a salesperson, you need to rethink it because Amazon has taught us all as consumers to expect the same thing in business. I should be able to read, watch a video, understand it, and choose to buy or not. And that's product-led yeah. growth. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. Thanks, Rick, because that, that's the way to go, isn't it? That's, that's the way to disrupt the market, isn't it? Because you're responding to the changes that are happening in the marketplace and how people actually want uh, you know, the shopping experience to be. Otherwise, if you don't make those adaptations and follow what the demands of the people is, you're just going to be left behind from a business exactly. point of view, isn't it? That's exactly. Yep. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, the key, you know, to, to businesses, especially, you know, startups or any businesses that are established is part of the leadership and management as well. So can you talk us through, your leadership style and how and why you think that works and you know has contributed to the success of field agent as well yeah i, I think part of it is is that uh, anyone basically anyone can 
have a job and be a manager and manage a process and manage a product. I mean, anyone could, you could come in, you could be taught to go do that. When I talk to our directors and, and our organization about leading, the primary premise, and this is whether you're on a sports team, mm-hmm. you've got a business in front of you, or you're talking about leading your family, you've got to help them see that what you're driving is bigger than them. People have to be able to aspire to a bigger vision. It's the sports team for the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah. It's your family that understands that we really want to have this safe, healthy family. We want to grow together and have fun. You want to see what this long-term family can be. Indeed. It's helping your child understand what college and, 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 and being an entrepreneur can be. And so we come into a co- corporate standpoint. It's like, no, I'll just tell them to go do the work. I'm like, no, no, no. Mm. People have to understand that why, that ethos. They have to understand that at Field Agent, it's not mystery shopping jobs for people. We're providing extra money for people that's going to change their lives. I mean, this extra cash has helped people through medical issues, loss of job. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. On the business side, we're helping people solve problems at retail they can't solve today. So you're solving these big problems and you're helping society. They're like, you know, that's why I come to work. And that's about leadership. So my role is less about process and and ensuring things work. It's really more of keeping the the aspirational nature of field agent in front of them so that I have low retention. People want to work for us. They come in in the morning and they're excited about what they do. If I miss that, then I've dropped into management, which is not leadership. I've got to continue to lead. To lead. Wow. Thanks. That's that's uh, quite uh, quite detailed and quite deep, Rick. I, I mean, I can uh, sort of uh, you know resonate with that with that myself as well. And it's a very important point actually you make because it it, it sort of even leads to the performance of the people, whether it's in that work environment or in, in business, because if they don't have that vision of where this is going. Uh, they're just going to be, they, they won't be motivated to do much or even yeah. perform more efficiently because they don't see, you know, where this, this is going. So that, that, that's very key. So picking up on that, on that theme and looking forward for you, obviously you've got field agent now. What does the vision for the future of field agent or any other things that you have? What does that vision look like for you? Let's say five years or 10 years yeah. down the line. <laughs> Yeah, what we're learning, Alex, and this gets back to being you know solely focused or focused on and helping an industry or, or the or organization. So uh, we truly believe that our marketplace concept not only is game changing for the industry, but it's game changing for other companies that have services and products. So what we've decided to do, and this has really been the last few weeks, mm-hmm. is that we're now opening up our marketplace. We have thousands of, you know, top 1,000, Fortune 1,000 companies looking at our products and buying our products. We're not going to open that. And we've begun the process of helping other companies that have services to help them productize so they can put their product in our marketplace to be able to sell. Because Mm -hmm. there's no reason why 90,000 people have to go figure out what we figured out. We really want to be able to share that. Now, listen, we're in business to make money. So there's a you know, relationship there of, of how commissions work. But but if you think about that that concept, if I've got that many people looking at a marketplace, why wouldn't I take my marketplace and go broader so that a third party can offer their product here, which is exactly what Amazon did. They started yeah. out with books mm-hmm. and they moved from books to other verticals. And now you mm-hmm. go there for the shopping experience. So what we've done is that we're getting rid of uh, the pain points we're making it really, really simple to make an amazing shopping experience. And now we want other products to come in. So I think over the next year or so, what you're going to find is instead of just field agent, you're going to find that we're going to have hundreds, if not thousands of other brands in our marketplace that yeah. people are buying because we've created an amazing market uh, marketplace experience. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Rick. That's amazing, Rick. So that, that's brilliant. So when you look and analyze the market out there, I mean, who do you think or how do you uh, respond, if at all, to any competitors or any other people who might want to sort of uh, come into your marketplace and the area that you're operating in? Well, the, for first, I'm going to go back to when Field Agent started to, to answer that question. What, 
what how's that quote is that uh imitation is the best form of flattery is that how the quote goes something like that so when we launched field agent within about six months we had five or six people that just simply tried to knock us off two guys in a basement that worked for yahoo they spun up an app and said we can do this too yeah um and what I realized pretty quickly is they had no clue what they were doing. They did not have the experience that we had. Yeah. But they were trying to mimic what we were doing. Mm. Uh, and so in field agent, I was—I remember I was having this meeting with a, a multinational company. Uh, they had three people coming in to pitch using their crowdsourcing app. And so I'm pitching, going through. And the guy walked me outside. He said, Rick, he said, you're the only person today out of the three that knew what he was talking about. Mm. And he looked, he looked to this way and he looked this way. He said, I gotta be honest with you. He said, the guy before you is just about giving it away. And I know it's going to suck and I know it's not going to be very good, but he's giving it away for $3 a pop. And you guys are charging $8. And I told him, I said, here's what we're going to do. I said, Hey, Alex, here's what I'm going to do. I'm telling you, I'm still going to be your friend. I get why you're making the decision. It's going to be miserable, but you know what we do? We fix $3 haircuts. <laughs> I said, you're going to take the $3. Take you're going to walk in and, you're, and your wife is going to say, where did you get that haircut? You look terrible. <laughs> and I said, so when you get that data, it's going to be terrible. And, everyone's, and so and a, a year later, he came back and said, our contract's up. I want to use you. Yeah. Now again, I told him, I said, I'm not a $50 haircut, but I'm a great $8 haircut and I'm going to fix your three. So yeah. when I look at competition coming in today, mm-hmm. uh, I truly believe that there will be people that will see it and try to follow it. Mm-hmm. They won't know what they're doing. They'll yeah. spin it up and throw it up just for the fun of it. It's mm-hmm. not going to be the right approach, the, the way it's set up. And I'm going to tell people, sure, you can go buy it over there, mm-hmm. but you're going to be buying a $3 haircut. Come back yeah. over to the eight dollar haircut. Yeah. And let me ta- let me take care of you. So that's the first part is I know people will imitate and that's okay. Yeah. And it's for flattery. Uh, we're not going to be hundred percent of the market, but mm-hmm. if we provide an amazing service, yeah. it's sticky. We get rid of the friction points. Mm-hmm. Why would you leave field agent marketplace to go somewhere else if I've given you all the products you're looking for? Give yeah. you a great experience. Why would you jump over there? So we're trying not to be a commodity-based. We're trying mm-hmm. to be experience-based. And if we do that right, Alex, I think we'll be fine when competition comes in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that, Rick, you know, the, the experience part of it. And you know, I give people, because that's, that's, that's what people will remember, isn't it? How you actually yes. made them feel, you know, and the experiences is a great way to do that, to get that feeling in people that, oh, wow, this is such an amazing that's when they get to, yeah. get to come back to come back isn't it um now exactly. yeah and then uh, you know sometimes um, when you look around in the marketplace like you know some sometimes inspiration to actually innovate and improve your product offering can also come from like competition and what other people are seeing but obviously the feedback from you know either customers and uh business people who are working for me can also help with that. So uh, for you and in field agent, where does uh, some of the inspiration to make improvements, make the the, the product uh, even better or, right. or expand the vision, where does that come from? <laughs> right. So I'm going to give you a quote from uh, a guy by the name of Guy Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. And he's known by many people as one of the early evangelists of the Apple Macintosh. Yeah. And so he tells the story of it. They had the Macintosh and it was, you know, breakthrough and they launched it. And he said, after they launched the Mac, think about this, is the first Mac, he said, it was terrible. <laughs> he said, we didn't, we, 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 we didn't have a hard drive because he needed a hard drive. We didn't have any mm. Ethernet cables. It just didn't do what it was supposed yeah. to go do. He mm. said, but it was an amazing piece of crap. It was amazing. <laughs> he said, so he said, mm. so what I'm telling you is, is that, if we had waited for Ethernet and you know hard drives and more RAM, if we waited for all of that, he said, this technology wave would have passed us by. He said, so what I'm telling you is, is that we, when we launched the Macintosh, we launched it with elements of crappiness. And mm. then our users told us what they liked. And he said, here's what we found out. He said, he said literally, within a week of shipping the Mac, a guy in the office said, hey, I've got this 
paint software thing. Could you put Apple Paint on there? And he said, people told us, forget about the spreadsheets. Who cares about the database? You mm. guys have the most amazing mouse and painting thing. And he said, that's what took us down the path of being the design artistic feel. He said, we would have never understood that had we not shipped and then learned. He said, so mm. his quote was, I'm not selling, telling you to ship crap. <laughs> I'm telling you to ship amazing ideas with elements of crappiness. And so what we do is that while we think we're really smart and we think we know everything, mm. we take things that are a solid B plus, A minus, and we put them in the hands of users as fast as we can to get feedback. And then from that, you iterate. Now, I'm not saying do a, an MVP, minimum viable product down here that's a solid you know, seven out of 10 or a six out. Of, I mean, I'm talking about a, a really good product. Yeah. The feedback that comes in doesn't take you left or right too much, but the features is so robust. So that's number one is that mm. you've got to get it in the hands. The yeah. second thing is, is that because we have, um, you know, really good clients and engaged, but we've got, you know, good communities, you need to have a community set up where people feel confident they can make suggestions and they're heard. And mm. if I've learned anything over my career, uh, it's less about whether or not you use the suggestion. It's yeah. more of, did you take it? And then what you find is that suggestion, if you have a good ideation process, may come up with even better feature because yes. while they suggested wasn't necessarily exactly what you wanted, mm -hmm. but if you listen to what they're really looking for, it's something different. And, and you learn this in research, Alex, is that the last thing you do is ask someone what they want. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Ford said that about cars. He said, if we'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he says, you don't ask. He said, what you do is mm -hmm. you take items and put them in front of people and ask them what they think. And that's uh, so yeah. important for an entrepreneur. You don't say, hey, you have a problem. So how would you fix it? And they say, well, I would mm -hmm. do this. You're like, Man, that was dumb. You don't ask that question. You simply say, here's three alternatives. What do you think about alternative A, B, and C? And they mm -hmm. can give you really robust feedback about what they think. And so I think those are kind of the couple of key points that I would push for entrepreneurs listening or mm -hmm. even business people listening. Get yeah. in the hands of users as fast as you can and don't ask people what they want. Ask them what they think about right. a few of the ideas in front of you. Yeah. Wow. That, that's brilliant, Rick. So in, in that uh, context, would you say when you're going to the market with a product or, or, or anything or service, would you, you, would you put up two or three versions of it and see which ones, or it just depends on your, on your product? But it's, it depends on the type of product, right? I mean, mm. if you're, if you're a web-based person and you're trying to understand um, you know, how someone reacts to something, you could A-B test really quick. Yeah. But if you've got a hard product, and something you put in your hand, I, I wouldn't put two, three versions out. Now, this doesn't mean I wouldn't have different colors, maybe a couple of different features yeah. I'm looking at, but the core product is probably the same. The same, yeah. Then I can say, here's this core product. Here's a green, red, and blue version. Or here's a version that has a knob mm. that turns left to right. Here's one that has a switch. And here's yeah. one that has a button. But the product that people are looking at it, yeah. is still the same. Well, I'm not mm. saying throw 10 products at people because that's too confusing. It's yeah. taking something that you know is right, yeah. and you don't know really the features that you're kind of drive. That that's what I would drive. Yeah, perfect. Because as you get feedback as to how people feel about it, then you can make different versions of it in in line exactly. with that, you know pe people's demand. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. And you very quickly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when we go back to uh, obviously field agent, you've got the consumer aspect, and then you've got the B two B aspect for for businesses right. as well. Uh, in terms of uh, where you place emphasis, and from a business point of view. Is there one particular part which is more important than the other, or do you sort of work on them on a sort of 50-50 in a way from a business model point of view? Yeah, I, I believe in life there's no such thing as balance. <laughs> if you're perfectly balanced, something's wrong. You have yeah. to surge to one side, then you surge yeah. to the other side, right? So yeah. we, have an, we have an agent base that are people we care for, we love, and those agents are providing us data. We love them. We're engaging them. Yeah. We've got a separate set of, te a team over here. That's 
they get up every morning. It's all they think about. Hmm. I have a separate team over here and all they think about is how do I get someone to, that I can invoice and collect, hmm. invoice and collect, invoice and collect, right? How do I make sure it's an amazing experience? How do I get rid of the friction? Yeah. Uh, what we realized pretty quickly is that when I put those teams together, it was competing, right? Mm. You, you had, it, it, you know, you had two masters, and no one wants to deal with two bosses, and no one wants to deal with. It, you, you needed to have one, so we have separate organizations that look at the agent side and the client side. Now we have an umbrella, yeah. The marketplace experience, I mean, obviously, is, is driven by the client side, but yeah. our clients don't log into the app. Our agents do, so we have an app experience. People over here that made an amazing app experience. And we want an amazing marketplace experience, but the two of those don't connect. So we're a little bit unique than probably some of the, the people are listening to this podcast that really probably has one primary customer. We yeah. have two. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So uh, in terms of how uh, people, I mean, we, we talked, I mean, you talked uh, about the app and stuff, but for people listening here and they, want to make a start or get involved, what is the quickest or easiest way to actually uh, get involved? Now you, you've got two different listeners, right? One listener is, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. While I'm not shopping today, I might make a few extra dollars, log mm -hmm. into the app, download the app, make yeah, some extra yeah. money and say, this is amazing. I just made enough money to go uh, pay for a cruise or to buy a new toy or whatever it is. So go play with that. On the yeah. other side of things, uh, you've got people saying, gosh, I would use this to understand my business. I need some research on my business. I'm trying to audit what's happening with it, or I want some new trial and sampling. Obviously, we'd love to talk to them. Yeah. But you're also going to find that you've got some people say, gosh, I want to get my product in front of more hmm. buyers. Yeah. I'd love to reach out to Rick. So listen, I'm on LinkedIn, easy to find. Read a Rick West and Field Agent there, mm -hmm. uh, fieldagent.net. Uh, is the website. Just click on that website and say, hey, I heard Rick today, fieldagent.net, heard him today. Would love to talk about my product getting in the marketplace or just want to figure out the easiest way to use this product. And since we're product-led growth, Alex, yeah. you don't have to talk to anyone. Log hmm. on the website, start shopping today. You could be hmm. shopping and click out a cart. By the time they listen to this, they could be shopping and buying something for yeah. research, mystery shopping, data, or sampling, and trial and marketing. They can buy it today by the time they finish this podcast. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, no, that's, uh, that's really, that, that's, that's great. That's great, Rick. So uh, it, it, lo it looks like you've got um, the process pretty much uh, set there for people who want who wanted to and and that's that's part of the things that we we talked about as well in terms of um you know if you're uh looking to get into the marketplace you know because people uh they want to get involved or do th things with the least amount of resistance as possible so if you have like a really long process for people to actually get involved. Like you have to contact someone, fill out a long form to actually get into the product. That's where, you know, you get the resistance, isn't it? But here, you know, like you say, people, you know, listening to this podcast in the next few minutes, they can just already be on the go and be making money. Yeah. They can download the app and in a matter yeah. of hours make money, or they mm -hmm. can go to the website in a matter of hours be doing work be doing research, be engaging, yeah. getting their product out there. It really is that quick. It's, it's that quick. Uh, brilliant. And uh, uh, you mentioned, obviously, that, uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, other providers uh, putting their uh, products right. uh, on a platform going forward. Um, you know, what, what else uh, would you say is in the pipeline or what you've been thinking about that, uh, uh, you know, is, is part of the, the global vision for field agent or anything else uh, in, in, in your world. Yeah. I want to go back to that, that concept of staying within your lane, not going mm -hmm. too far left or right. Yeah. Uh, what's hard for us when you're successful and you're going forward is someone said, Hey, Rick, go try this, Rick, go try that. Mm. So we're trying not to go too far outside of those rails yeah. to stay within this marketplace approach that we have. Uh, so Alex, I would say that that's what we're driving right now. We're, we're yeah. really doing everything we can not mm -hmm. to have people put a shiny object in front of us 
and mm-hmm. have us go down a path that would take us off focus on what we're trying to do right well, now. So yeah. I would come back and say, that's really it. We, we, it's, it's the marketplace bringing in third parties, mm-hmm. reducing friction. So it's a frictionless process to get your product on. It's yeah. frictionless to buy. Uh, it's creating that Amazon effect for B2B. Uh, yeah. That's more than we can swallow right now. Yeah. We're going to take that mm-hmm. that on and stay within our rails and not chase shiny objects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see. No, th- thanks, Vic. Now, um, is there at, at some point maybe a global international strategy to what, what you're doing at some point? Oh, yeah. We're in seven countries today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the countries that we're in are primarily driven by our clients asking us to be in those countries. And it's kind of a, a distributorship or franchise model. Uh, it's not really yeah. a company store. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, we can collect data and engage in you know, Canada, Mexico, Australia, UK, Spain. So we're in, you know, countries, South Africa, we're spread around. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, if someone's interested in that as well, we've got an international division they could talk to uh, as to what that would look like. But we're, if you think about the business premise, Alex, yeah. It, regardless of the country, how does it change? It doesn't change, right? People yeah. want to make a little bit of extra money. Mm-hmm. Clients are tired of dealing with all the meetings and the mm-hmm. hassle and the time, and they want to do mm-hmm. things quick. Yeah. Why would that be just a United States thing? It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a global. Okay. It's a global issue that our marketplace is solving. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, uh, Rick, I think you've uh, shared a lot of uh, golden nuggets there from uh, you know business standpoint of view. You know, for some of our listeners looking to, you know, whatever business they're actually looking to do, what the thing that they should be thinking about in terms of problem solving, finding a solution and offering value in that, as well as what do you provide and how uh, people can uh, can get involved uh, as well. So uh, you mentioned there, obviously, there's a website where people can, can get involved in. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, in terms of... Uh, um, finding you or just you know they want to ask further questions or just to understand a bit more mm-hmm. yeah that- they can obviously connect with me on linkedin it would be great to so, hey i i listen to to you and alex have a conversation yeah. on the, the mm-hmm. wealth of mindset podcast yeah. great uh if they want to send me an email it's rick.west at fieldagent.net they can communicate yeah. directly would love to talk to them if nothing else help them on their journey uh, but more importantly, if they've got a product or a service that they want to productize and get on a marketplace, yeah. I've got eyeballs that would love to see what they're doing. Yeah, brilliant. That's amazing, Rick. Because uh, uh, for you know a lot of our entrepreneurs, you know, venturing uh, into business or, or, or anything or services, uh, that is uh, you know a great service that you're providing because with the uh, you know the platform and the business that you've built. From a leverage point of view, it can help people who are launching their products to actually give them that wider reach with the data and just get that feedback of what that is, how that is being received yep. in the marketplace. Yep. So it is a, an, an amazing product offering, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be quite keen to actually speak to you about uh, about that. So um, as we sort of uh, come to an end, is there anything else that you think a good piece of advice you can offer our aspiring entrepreneurs or people already in business or consumers? I I think it goes back to a couple of the earlier things that I laid out to them. You don't want them to miss this, is that relationships matter. Yeah, They just do. As much as you think the boss you're working for, you'll never talk to them again, you'd be surprised when you're going to see that boss again. You'd be surprised when you see that classmate or teammate so yeah. relationships matter. Yeah. The second thing is you've got to find people that are not your friends that mm. will give you feedback on who you are. Are you a sole proprietor? You can make it on your own or mm. do you need to have a partner? You need to understand that before you decide to go out on down this path. Mm. Uh, and the third thing, uh, once you have your idea or your product, remember, you can start out with 1012, but the deselection process is so, yeah. so important get to that process to where you've got one or two services, products, or ideas mm-hmm. and say, gosh, I could do one or two, but the third one, I love the third one. It's something that matches up with my passion. You find some people that give you some yeah. good feedback and you know, it's going to work. That's the one you choose and do mm-hmm. not look back. You've got to yeah. jump and do it full time. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Thanks, Rick. Just uh, before we go, just, uh, uh, you know, just to get a bit of your sort of wisdom around, because in some, in some circles, when you talk to people, there is this saying about like, never say no to opportunities or something, but sometimes you can say yes to too many things to the extent that you get overwhelmed. Um, what's, what's your view around that never say uh, no to opportunities and how can you maybe some of the opportunity that you can't do yourself but maybe in your wider network you can whether pass them on but still make something out of it what's your view around that that same concept sure if i'm a uh, sole proprietor an entrepreneur on my own and i'm in a consulting business you can say yes to whatever you want knock yourself mm -hmm. out just yeah. say yes. You know, just keep saying yes, okay? <laughs> but if you want to be an entrepreneur that can scale something mm -hmm. and you want to scale and build an organization, you have to deselect and yeah. be very specific to be able to go drive that and go deep and broad. Yeah. A sole proprietor, if you only do one thing, you're going to find, unless that one thing is massive, you're mm -hmm. going to have a lot of free time. Yeah. <laughs> so some people are entrepreneurs that have a lifestyle business that's consulting and you want to be very, very broad and be a generalist. Yeah. But most people are saying, no, I want to have the big idea, the big product, or I want to build a company. You have to be much tighter in what you do. doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you're not going to be yes to features and yes to, but, but the core to what you do is mm -hmm. very, very tight. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to chasing shiny objects thing. You think it's cute. You think it's fun. It's just a time waste. Mm. You either have an idea or if you don't, yeah. if you have an idea, all these other things that are coming out over mm. here, you mm. can't chase them because you're taken yeah. away from your big idea. From your big idea. Um, and, and what about for, you know, people who are providing services, which entirely depend on the key or the talent of them? Uh, to the extent that maybe scaling is is difficult, what what would be your advice? So, for example, if I'm an artist and I do painting, that's not something that I can actually franchise or give to someone because that's my talent. Any ideas how those kind of trades or expertise services people can can scale if at all because it's just their own skill and talent. Well, sometimes it, the, the question becomes, what are you trying to scale? Mm. So I just use the artist as an example. Yeah. Are you wanting to scale your artwork? Well, obviously you could do prints and you could print a bunch of things and produce. Mm. Uh, are you wanting to scale original art? Well, if that's the case, then open up a studio and bring in five people and teach them yeah. to trade and bring in other artists and you can yeah. scale artists. That if, but it goes back to what's your idea? See, it's idea. so important, Alex, the clarity. Is, mm -hmm. is, are you trying to scale your stuff? Well, then you are finite. But yeah. if you look at some people that are designers, people in the fashion industry, they're not sewing garments. Okay? So mm -hmm. if you're an artist, you could say, listen, here's my view. Here's what I'm driving. I've got five other people that are doing paintings for me, and I want my art to be out. Yeah. That's different than saying I want my original mm -hmm. painting to be out. So for scaling a services piece, uh, it's much like the person that has a restaurant. It's like, how can you have 10 restaurants? Yeah. Well, because my DNA of the look, the feel, the recipes, the approach are in all those restaurants. And the people that yeah. I hire to manage them yeah. have the same passion that I have. That's mm. how you scale you. Or you mm. say, I just want one restaurant. I love my restaurant. Yeah. I'm going to be there every day and my passion <laughs> is there. Do not apologize for that. Yeah. But if you decide to scale, you've got to ask yourself the question, what am I scaling? Scaling, yeah. Yeah, so it can be done. Yeah, perfect. Now, Rick, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. And there are lots of golden nuggets that you've shared with us. Uh, we will have uh, details of how people can contact you in our episode notes as well. Perfect. So it's just been uh, uh, an absolute pleasure. And thank you very much for your time and uh, coming to speak to us. And uh, it's, it's just been awesome to, to speak to you. And I'm sure 
at some point in the future, if it's all right with you, we'll probably touch base with you again. Come back and to. speak to us and see how uh, the next phase of field agent and how it's going as well. And I'm sure even myself and some people that I know will probably be looking and uh, getting in touch with you to see how we can actually get involved in field agent as well. So yeah. uh, for now, thank you very much and uh, uh, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch up with you soon. You too. Alex, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I look forward to talking again. All right. Bye. Thanks, Rick. Cheers. Bye.